Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several, several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Diane. Hi, I'm Diane, compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic. Hi, Hi, everyone. Susan, thank you so much for asking me to leave. This is an honor. Um, And welcome to the newcomers, and congratulations to all the chip takers. That's just, it's amazing. It's awesome to watch. Um, Can you all hear my, like, heart thumping? Because it is. And I don't know, I actually have normally... Let me just take a deep breath. I would have been too, way too nervous when I first came in. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't identify as a newcomer. I wouldn't take a chip. I was so scared. Um, and it's just amazing to me that, you know, it, and then I sort of got over that. We, we practiced with the sponsor and are told what to do and take direction when we want to feel better. I had to be in a lot of pain, which I was. And then I would not do things because I was too scared. And then that's, I don't know why fear has come up today, but so I wanted to talk on it. Um, and now what I, I do is I show up no matter what. And even though I was nervous, it started when I started coming over to the Arctic chill side of the hill, because it's freezing, it's like 30 degree difference. Like my, I, I was with a friend and I got nervous, like I'm nervous. And you know what, that's okay. It is okay that, like, I would rip myself to shreds because I was nervous or I was had fear or, you know, whatever I was feeling, it was just wrong. And I had this inner voice, which I think we all do, we call it disease, constantly telling me that I was not something that I should be this or I should be that. Um, and I believed it. I believed it, and I don't believe it anymore. You know, I... I don't care if I were to come up here and say nothing or cry or say I can't do this anymore, I will show up and I will do it because if I don't, disease wins and I am one step further towards the food and I'm not willing to go there today. I'm not, I'm just not willing to and I will go to any lanes and I can't even believe that I would say that because the day that I walked in, I wouldn't have said that. And 12 years into program, 12 and a half years into program, um, I'll do anything for my abs to keep my abstinence. I really, really will. Um, to go back, I um, compulsive overeater, anorexic, bulimic. From I feel like I say this over and over. From a really young age, I believe I was born with some sort of eating disorder. Um, I can remember unbodied disorder and just an and very sensitive child. Um, I have four myself, so I know from sensitive to not sensitive. I have a myriad of those personalities. Um, and I grew up in a household where my mother was a compulsive overeater, um, and my father was an uh, anorexic and alcoholic. My dad and I wore the same size pants when I was in fifth grade. 
Um, it was, I think, 118 pounds. I remember it was. There was so much focus in my house around food. Um, and, you know, it's interesting now, 12 years into program and, you know, having done the steps, you know, I, I will always do the steps. But little snippets, I think, because I'm ready for them, of things that happened in my childhood have started to come up where I can see them, like, with without rage and without, like, that deep, wounded hurt of, like, it's just too painful to go back there. And I can I can live, like, what I felt um, and feel what I felt and acknowledge what I felt, where for so long I just shoved it. To, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't. I hated myself. I hated myself. I'm like, like the young age of three or four. I hated myself. I hated that I was shy. I thought I was ugly. I thought something was just wrong with me. Like, I wanted, and I say this every time, I wanted what everyone else had. Everything. I wanted what you had, and you had, and you looked like in your clothes, and your house, and your parents, and your food, and everything that I had, I felt was wrong. Just like my being was wrong, and I couldn't, um, I couldn't stand it. I mean, and I remember feeling that at like four. Like, I couldn't stand the way that I felt. And I think it was because there was so much chaos that went on in my family. Um, there was physical abuse and emotional abuse. And not, nothing on purpose. Um, you know, my parents were 20 when they got married. Um, and they come from, you know, their family. They did much better with my sisters than their family did with them. And this is, you know, I can say this today because I've uncovered and, you know, looked at it and discarded, and I love my parents more than anything. I really, really do. Um, but the dysfunction in our house was, un it was, I felt unsafe. And I felt like I never, you know, my antennas were up, and I was always scared, and I never knew who was going to walk down with a black eye or if, plans were going to cancel or if there'd be food in the house because my mother was in a depression or my father, you know, I kept track of what my father was drinking. And I'm talking about like five and six and seven. And it was in that time that sugar, I can remember like eating sugar and like feeling, oh my God, like I'm okay. Like sugar just gave me that everything's going to be okay. And even just for that moment. And, you know, probably if I had alcohol at that time, I would have done that. Um, but sugar was the one thing that, you know, was, you know, legal that no one was really going to, you know, send me away to child services. Not that they shouldn't have. I should have. My parents should have. But I do love them. Um, so it, it just was, it became my best friend. And from, I'd say, the eight, from that point, which was like five or six, I had an affair with food for years where I can tell you every vacation we went on, like where the, I can still remember like where the snack shops were, where the, you know, I grew up in the uh, 70s and, you know, there weren't, it wasn't as plentiful, I grew up in New York as it is here. So like, I used to walk to get like sugar gum and have that feeling, walk miles, like I used, I, I, anything to, like, ease whatever that pain was in me that felt like something was very, very wrong. Um, at age 12, 
I discovered bulimia, and that was just, I thought, the most brilliant thing that ever happened, and um, proceeded for 10 years to binge and throw up 10 times a day, all day long, check out of my life. I don't know how I, I didn't really have friends. If you were my friend, you were like my, you know, you were, you weren't going anywhere, and you were going to pay, and it, it not pretty. Like, I, I didn't know how to, I just, I stopped, like, learning how, I wasn't to be social and to be socialized and to be a person in life who, like, if you want to get to here, you do this. Um, it was just, like, I wanted to get to here. I didn't want to do any work. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, and I didn't give a damn about anything else. I mean, certainly didn't give a damn about myself. I didn't I didn't care. I didn't think that. Um, I didn't think about consequences. I didn't. I, I didn't have parents that there were any consequences, um, and it was just a recipe for disaster. Like my, what was there? It was like a perfect storm, and my eating disorder took off. And I didn't have to deal with life. I didn't have to deal with people. I could. Um, I could sort of keep an, uh, what was my, what was the paradox in me. It's like I could keep it to get, like I could put on a good show outside from a young age. I could like make it seem like all was okay. And I was so not okay. And I think what, hap- what happened to me is that, you know, day in and day out of binging and purging and lying and cheating and what can I get and how do I replace and not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and but trying to keep you know as the master manipulator and that just is soul crushing like it is soul crushing to do that and then how do you show up and have a relationship or any intimacy not sexual but just like intimacy with people when what the very thing that you're doing all day long is secretive and um can't tell it I couldn't tell anyone I and that was my life and there was nobody that was allowed in that inner circle nobody um and it was painful really really painful and yet I was still the amount of denial that I had because I think we're all so you know we are pretty amazing people that we managed to get up every day, to show up at a meeting, to take a chip for, you know, for not throwing up. And that is amazing. If nothing ever happens in my life and gets got any better except that I didn't throw up every day, my life's going to get better. I mean, I, I do think you have to work on all areas, but, like, that is just a soul-crushing thing to either eat, and it doesn't matter, eating, overeating, bulimia, exercise bulimia, anorexia, it's all the same thing. It's all controlling. It's all trying to fill a hole that somehow we, you know, have. And um, there is no amount of food that I have found, or anything else for that matter. And, you know, my higher power, my God of my understanding, is is smart um, because I got a lot of the things that I really wanted without doing a lot of work to get them. Um, I was forceful. I was, you know, I wanted to come out to California to go to school, and 
like my mother says, I, I, I don't, you just were going. Like, I just, it, nothing was going to stop me when I wanted something. So, you know, we're, we're determined people. I am a determined person, but I am also can be determined to not do something. And, um, you know, my go-to, and it's still less, so much less so today, but, you know, when I wake up, if someone says, do you want to do, uh, no, I don't. You know, no, you know, I don't have normal reactions to things. And I used to beat the shit up. I'm sorry. I used to beat myself up for, like, just not feeling normal. And today, I've uncovered all that. So, like, I am okay exactly how I am. Like, I'm okay if um, if things aren't going my way. I am okay. I And that's where I want to get into um, into higher power, into step 11. Um, is that I tried to run the show for many, many years, you know, decades. I tried to run it Diane's way, and it didn't work. I mean, it it culminated to the point, and it talks about it in the big book, that, you know, we keep doing what we're going to do, and it's jails, institutions, or death. And I was in an institution near death at, you know, probably 20 pounds less than I am right now, um, when I came into program and I came back and again th- 12 years ago, I had four children. My marriage was falling apart, absolutely. And I didn't, it was the first time I was like, I have nowhere else to go. Like, I have this, like, the gig was up with me. Like, I couldn't, and I'm pretty good at getting myself out of situations, but. My job was falling apart. You know, I had I had lied to them. I my marriage falling apart. Kids falling apart. Just like everything was just like this is the whack a mole. And every it was I was done when I walked in here. And I knew that this was the only thing. This was like the last house on the block, the house that I did not want to be at, that I did not feel comfortable. You know, I walked into the meeting, and whoever was I do remember who was speaking, and I thought. And she talked about that, you know, she had lost a lot of weight. And um, I was like, she doesn't feel as bad as I do. You know, I have, my brain tells me that none of you understand how, you know, how I feel. You know, you, no one can understand, you know, I am terminally unique that I'm more full of fear than any of you. I'm more, you know, I'm angrier than any of you. I, I, it was just... I was so on a different plane of thinking. I thought I was just, you know, so different than anybody. And that difference kept me, you know, like this from everybody. And um, what, when I walked in, you know, crawled into these rooms, not still not wanting to be here, but knowing, like, I've, I've tried everything. I've tried every drug. I've tried every... Television show. I've tried every commercial diet. I've gone to psychiatrists. I've I've done everything, and I have a feeling that something that I don't have a purpose. That you know I don't belong here. That I don't deserve to be here. That just my thinking was so crazy. And we have you know step two talks about our crazy thinking, and I couldn't think my way out of it. I couldn't, and I had done it. You know up until that point, I had. Pretty much, you know, disease is so busy and telling, you know, you should 
tells me a whole story in my head of how we can work this all out and solve this problem and, you know, just have a few more kids and, you know, you'll never be alone and, you know, crazy. Like, it's insane um, that I needed the help of someone else to start to un- to, to untell myself the stories that I had told myself. And I found that in a sponsor. And I was scared out of my mind to tell anybody anything. Like, that I was bulimic, to say that out loud was, oh my gosh. I mean, so incredibly scary. And today, I, I you know, I, not like I wear it, but, like, I, I'm, a, oh, I'm, I'm an open book. Like, I have no secrets. I really have no secrets. Um, I don't have secrets from, certainly I don't have secrets from my sponsor. And... I found. I think what I found in these rooms is that I'm not God, and that I have an understanding of a, of a God. And my and through working with a sponsor and realizing, like, oh my God, I can. I have a blueprint of how to live a life. I have a person that I can call. And it was so hard for me. I'm like, what do you? I'll call you after, like, I fuck up my whole life and tell you, which I used to do. I'm so sorry. You kept saying, don't curse, and, jeez. Who, um, you know, I would would do that for a long time. I mean, once I stopped throwing up, which I was, you know, then I still have the emotional and the spiritual to work on. I mean, we can't, you got to get all three of them. Not all at the same time, but... Eventually, you got to work them all, or you, you know, I was going to be back sticking my fingers down my throat. But I couldn't understand the concept of something is bothering me. Tell another person. It just was like I can't do it. I couldn't say it out loud because if I said it out loud to someone else, I had to say it out loud to myself, and then I had to become accountable, and then I had to realize I have a choice. You know, because on a daily basis, I choose recovery or I choose disease. Really, which with every thing that I do. Um, and sometimes I choose disease. Not like I used to where, you know, I do a 10,000 calorie binge, but, you know, I'll have an oops moment where I'll go, oh yeah, still still got that, still got that character defect. Um, but that um, I learned so slowly by doing the steps that sharing with another person is not, I don't know why I thought it was weak. I thought I should be able to do everything on my own. I should know everything. I should be smarter than I am. I should just get this. I should, like, get the program. You know, one of the first time I sat in a meeting and people talked about sponsors and steps, and I had no idea what that was, nothing. And I was like, I didn't want to know about it. Like, I didn't want to even... I, I went through life like this, like, until someone took my hand and said, these are the steps, and work them with me, because I didn't know how to live my life. I didn't know how to make a phone call. I didn't know how to open up mail. I didn't know how to pay bills on time. You know, I I, I, am, I don't do it anymore, but it's like a par- I'm a parking ticket person who gets the parking ticket and it's $16 or $28, probably like $78 now. I don't know. I haven't got one in a while. And then I'd wait until it was, you know, the, the first expiration date and then the second one until it was $500. Mm-hmm. 
Now, why don't you just pay the frickin' ticket when it's 28? And like that, I think I've got the parking ticket thing, that you get it and you pay it right away. Or you just don't get it. It's, it's much easier. It's like making amends. You just It's easier to just not make them, so I keep my mouth shut most of the time. Um, but I... I really didn't, I didn't know how to have fun. I didn't know what I liked that would be fun. Um, you know, my sponsor once said, you know, what do you do for fun? Like, fun? you got to be kidding me. That is a horrible question. Ask me, like, uh, the glum and, you know, uh, you know, fun. I go and watch, like, movies that make me cry. Um, <laughs> um, and I worked on, like, what was fun. And it, it was uncomfortable. And it was... You know, I took up, I remember taking a sewing class. I had the best time. I had the best time, it sounds. At Joanne's, they have sewing classes. It was the best Friday nights I had for a while. And every once in a while, she'll come back and say, what about the sewing classes? I'm not doing There's no more sewing in my future. Yeah, that's, that ship is gone. But it's just, was trying to, like, there was, I was, my, my life was so narrow. Of, but it was narrow, but I looked at everybody and thought, why do they have that? Why do they have fun? Why do they go on trips? Why do they, why are they always being asked to go out for dinner or lunch or whatever it was? And I wanted those, and we talked about it. And I had a lot to do with why those things weren't in my life, and I could make a difference. It's hard to make a difference and have a life when you're throwing up or compulsively overeating or covering it up or, you know, I, I, you couldn't count, I couldn't count on me. So if I couldn't count on me, I couldn't count on you. I, you know, I was just self-will-run riot. Um, and what I know is what my disease tells me is just so false. It's just such false crap. And when I start to have that... Um, you know, I believe I have a higher power that wants the best for me. It wants the best for all of us. That doesn't mean that life isn't going to show up and things aren't going to happen. But when they do, it's no longer catastrophic to me. N nothing really is catastrophic. And I've had a lot, you know, stuff go on. And nothing, nothing feels like unmanageable anymore. It just doesn't. It feels like God has a plan. Um, and I I get to walk through it with help sometimes. You know, I think now I intuitively know how to handle a lot of situations that used to baffle me. Um, I know how not to make things worse. Um, I, from working the steps, which is the secret sauce of this program, you got to work the steps. You know, it's just, and I hate working the steps. I hate writing. It's just, I know where my kid, my youngest, gets it. You know, one word answer is no, yes, no. I mean, I have to redo my 10 steps so I just can't write no, yes, no, because I, that's what I would do. I don't want to dig any further. I don't want to uncover. I, I want, still today, I want the benefits, and I don't want to do the work. The difference today is I know I have to do the work. There's no getting around it. I've tried. I would tell you guys if there was a way around it. I've tried every which way. Um, and believing... I think in the last year, I've worked a lot on step 11, step 3 and step 11, just believing that I am not running the show. I am not running the show. I don't run it for 
myself. I don't run it for my husband. I don't run it for my kids. I don't run it for my friends, my sponsees. I don't, I don't know what's good for everybody else. I barely can figure out what's good for me. Um, I know what now makes me feel good. I know that I know when I am aligned with God's will and when I'm not. And before I didn't because everything was my will. So I couldn't even begin to separate out, well, if you, I, I wasn't even willing to go one day without eating because it was too painful. I didn't, I didn't even know what the pain was. I mean, I was, and what, the, what it was was fear. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of fear. And it came out in anger and depression in all which ways that made me very unhappy. And my solution to it was the food, which worked until it didn't work. And what happens when it stops working and we get in enough pain, and me, I need to be in so much pain to affect a change, to take any little step in any direction. I need to be... I'm pretty much excruciating pain, and I think through pain, what I've learned is God comes through pain. That's where, like, God's like, there's another way. Like, you don't have to keep keep suffering. And our disease, and I think I've worked with enough people, we choose suffering. Like, that is my go-to, is it's more comfortable than not. It's It's... And I have to be so careful today. Like my husband loves to travel. You know, I could, I just traveled. This counts as traveling from the valley to here. It's big traveling for me. You know, once, you know, ask me if you can believe this. Like, where are we going to go on vacation? And I want to say, what? I don't want. You know, my immediate is like, I don't want to go on vacation. I don't. I don't want to go to Europe. I don't want to. And I don't, honestly, I don't know what I want. I I know that saying no, though, doesn't create harmony in my my life. It doesn't. It it upsets everything. So I've learned to say, okay, you know, I've learned to respond differently. I've learned to say, oh, you know, let's let's talk about that after I talk to my sponsor. Um, Let's, you know, but I don't say an automatic no. And, um, and, I don't do it. Per- I do nothing perfectly. I don't do food perfectly. I don't want to talk about my abstinence. My bottom line abstinence is no throwing up, no matter what. For me, as a bulimic, that works. There are foods that I do not eat. Um, I haven't eaten. Um, for the most part, I would say that I am have freedom from the obsession. I am very aware of what foods, you know, cause the obsession and what causes an allergy. I actually haven't. I have a diagnosed allergy towards food and having rashes all over my body, and I knew exactly what it was from. It was from sugar. went to every doctor in L.A. to have them tell me something different, even though I knew what it was. But, you know, if a doctor's going to tell me different, then I can believe him. Um, I can fool myself on any level. I, am, I, am, it, I still amaze myself. Even today, I gave up coffee I had given it up for four years, and suddenly it came back because I didn't put it on my 10-step at night that I was drinking it. I gave it up for eight days, and today, whatever, for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter. I made the decision that, you know, I looked, we've got to 
container of coffee, and there was no coffee. It was just hot chocolate. And I'm like, there's got to be one under here. And I'm like, this is crazy behavior, Diane. You said you're going to drink coffee, and now you're in here, like, scrounging through all the Keurig coffee cups. And I was like, okay, well, if I don't find one in here, then I shouldn't have it. God's telling me I shouldn't have it. I know I'm dead. I mean, I know this is, I know this enough that this is not going to, thank you. I then get in my car to go get a car wash. And this is 12, you know, 13 years of that. And I stop at the corner store who has individual Keurigs, and I was like, okay, well, if they have the one that I want, you know, and suffice to say, I had a freaking cup of coffee. And I was, like, there is that period of time, there's that moment, that intuition, where we know what choice, we know what the choice is. Where either you're going to the, it might happen two weeks before, it might have happened yesterday, you know, I, I'll, I'll go and look at why I drank coffee today. I will not drink coffee tomorrow. Um, it did not make me feel good. Um, but I have no power if I get in the ring with my disease. I just don't, unless I have made a step three decision that I am not going to do it. And I have to do that every single day with food. You know, it starts with the food, and then I have to do it with people, and I have to do it with places, and I have to do it with things. And I take this program very seriously. Um, I believe my disease wants me dead, without a doubt, and all of you and my sponsees, and it just does. I mean, that is the goal, is my disease would like me sticking my fingers down my throat by the end of the day. And um, I refuse to do that. I absolutely refuse to do that. And I will do anything it takes. I go to meetings. I meditate. I do readings. I'm of service. You know, um, I have sponsors. I have a sponsor. I do step work. And I'll, I'll, I, I'm telling you, if someone told me to stand on my head, if I was ready to throw up, I would do it. And I have, I would do it. I mean, I have a certain amount that I know, you know, I don't do things perfectly, that I can sort of have a little bit of wiggle room, but not a lot. You know, it's like a bank account. You have some money in the savings, but, you know, it dwindles fast. And, you know, I relapsed once, so I have no doubt that my disease is cunning and baffling and comes, you know, through the walls, up through the umbilical cord, and I don't know what situation, I mean, I'm certain that I'm not going to throw it for today, for this moment, but I've got to be very careful, and I have to be very honest about how I'm feeling, what I'm feeling, because I spent a lot of years just not wanting to feel anything. And truth be told, I'd be really happy just being sort of flatlined and never having to have a good feeling or a bad feeling. And preferably, I like bad feelings over good feelings. I don't know why. It, it makes me really uncomfortable when things are going really well. Um, it's how I, you know what? It's how I am. It's how I was programmed. And I work hard to show, you know, to be an example differently, but that's how I am. And... I have to accept who I am before I can change who I am. And I think having, going through the program, I've learned to, like, accept myself. I've learned whatever I'm feeling or whatever I do or whatever mistakes I make, and I make a lot, um, I'm forgiven. Like, I can forgive myself. 
and people around me have forgiven me. They, people around me know the worst things that I thought I'd take to my grave, and they still talk to me. Um, I have respect for myself today that I never had. I have respect for other, and then I'm able to have respect for other people because, you know, when you have no respect for yourself, you, you, I had to hate everybody who had something that I wanted. I just had to hate you. Like, there was, you know, if you had any, which was usually everything, so basically I, I hated everybody. Um, and, you know, that can come up where it's like, but I get to know, like, no, that's not, you don't really hate them because you don't know them. You know, that's not really fair, Diane, to just hate someone because, you know, they have a nicer car than you or, you know, all the stupid stuff that I used to place incredibly high value on. Um, that I am enough the way that I am. And if I have those feelings, I can take them, I can work them, I can work the steps, and I can not have to hurt myself because I'm not perfect. And I have always, my whole life, wanted to be perfect. That's the truth. I wanted to be perfect and I wanted to be loved. And, you know, I love myself today. I mean, I really, really do. I say that from the bottom of my heart, and I had to learn to love myself. I had to learn to do esteemable actions so I could I could become a person, become someone who, like, was able to live in society and not, you know, stick their fingers down their throat all day long because I couldn't face myself. And um, I am so grateful for this program. I don't... I no intention of leaving even when I don't want to be here but um, it's that even wanes like it's just I don't make any it, nothing's an option so if it's not an option it's not a problem so I know what I have to do I know what I commit to do and you know I don't really go out of that path very much I um, and I'm accountable to another human being and that that is just has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams, and my life on the outside doesn't look much different than it did years, of, you know, years ago. It's just that I feel inside a peace that there's just nothing out there that is going to make me feel better. Nothing except being of service to others and loving people and not being angry and just giving back and what was so what was given to me so incredibly freely like the fact that we have a program where people you know you get you can call someone at any time you can i can tell any of you my deepest darkest secrets i know like you're not going to you're not going to look at me and go get out um and that's what i wanted to say to myself was like get out you're not you can't be here you know, you didn't do this right. And today, there's acceptance. And um, thank you all for being here. Okay, it's time for questions. Um, does anyone have a question? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, how did you develop your relationship with your higher power? Okay. The question is, how did I develop my relationship with my higher power? I um, struggle with that. I struggled with that. I don't anymore. Um, I think in the beginning, my, you know, I didn't trust anybody. 
So my sponsor was my higher power. The group was my higher power for a really long time. Like, I just thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know, you know, I, I was the higher power. So I just was in enough pain that I had to turn my life over to someone. And that was the first step of it. In working the steps, I've done a lot of step work on um, questions about higher power and what my higher power is. And, you know, I've tried to take on other people's higher power. Some, there's some wonderful man who tells a story that he used to let his higher power in the car every morning. And I thought, this was, you know, probably eight years ago. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Totally screwed up my morning. Like, I'd have the kids, and then I'd go down the street, and I was like, I forgot higher power. Like, that's not <laughs> my whole day screwed up. Um so I you know, had to find my higher power. I'm, I, I, I acted as if when I was going, let's just say, for a job interview. I was like, I am not alone. I'm taking higher power. I'm here to be of service. Higher power, I am not alone. Whether I believed it or not, it didn't matter. I just started to talk to myself as if that there was a higher power. And I can look back now historically and I can connect the dots back going backwards and go like, higher power is there the whole time. The whole time protecting me. Like, I can see where tried, you know, to drop rocks on me. And I was like, no, it's still going to the left. I'm not going to go the way. But higher power has been consistent in my life. And I've seen it in other people. And I've seen where none of us are, like, None of us are ever dropped. Like, I've never really been left. I, I've dropped myself, but higher power has always been there. And um, it's, it's, it's a relief today to believe, for me to believe. You know, I don't have a person. I just know that I am not the one in charge. And whatever is happening right now, whether good or bad, is not my doing. So I don't have to take care of it. Like, I have to take the right action. So it just helped me to just start thinking that I'm not alone because my whole life I felt so alone. So it started with sponsor, fellowship, and it, take, it took me a long time because, you know, I, I'm a diehard thinking, like, every once in a while I think, I'm God. You know, I got it. Don't worry about it. But it's not the truth. So I hope that answered your question. Okay, I'm done.